Welcome to Freight Waves Live and Events Podcast. I'm Tim Dooner, and this is the show where we bring you back to past Freight Waves events, take you inside of upcoming events, and capture the moments and keynotes from top thought leaders in logistics, freight tech, business, and media. Today, we're taking a Freight Waves flashback to Freight Waves Live Chicago in November of 19 for the session, Where's My Truck? Carrier Tracking, Transparency, and Ubiquity. You may have missed out on this event live, but now's your chance to catch the next one. That's right, Freight Waves Live Atlanta is May 5th and 6th, and at the biggest game in freight tech, you'll hear from featured speakers like the incomparable Aaron Andrews, Fox Sports broadcaster and co-host of Dancing with the Stars, and industry keynotes from Bob Beasterfield, President and Chief Executive Officer for C.H. Robinson, Derek Leathers, President and Chief Executive Officer for Warner Enterprises, and Doug Wagoneer, Chief of the Board of Directors and Chief Executive Officer, Echo Global Logistics. Get your tickets now at FreightWaves.com, click on events, or by getting your passport. FreightWaves provides you a passport to research, insight, and continuing education for the C-Suite Logistics Executive. The freight market changes constantly, from events in specific modes to M&A trends and macroeconomic forces. The market can be chaotic without comprehensive data and analysis. With FreightWaves Passport, you can better navigate the unpredictable nature of transportation and logistics. Executive research, insights, and comprehensive analysis equips you to make the best decisions possible for your organization. Beyond just research, you also get education, including exclusive content-driven seminars and live stream events, exclusive community engagement and knowledge sharing, plus events, market intelligence fueled by research and data. That's right, you get two tickets to FreightWaves Live events one per event. That is a $2,500 value. Passport members only reception at FreightWaves events. Exclusive discounts on demo or event sponsorship participation at FreightWaves events. And unlimited tickets at early bird rates up to two weeks before the event. And of course, I'll be there seeing you on the live stage where we'll be doing shows like What the Truck, SiriusXM's FreightWaves Radio on Road Dog Trucking, and so much more. But now... For your flashback to Freight Waves Live Chicago for the session, where's my truck? Carrier tracking, transparency, and ubiquity. So without any further ado, please welcome Dave Broering to the stage. Welcome. Hi, Dean. Welcome. All right. So, Dave, as we were prepping and talking about this backstage, um, it, I was reminded of the uh, my days running truck fleets in Australia, where we had, uh, this is sort of in the 90s, before the advent of cell phones, and we still had fax machines, and uh, one of the things we used to do with our drivers every day was we'd make them call in at 8 o'clock every morning and 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So our, our asset tracking in the 90s was literally, please call us and tell you where you are, but it had to be from a pay phone. Right. So we'd have to give the drivers plenty of coins all the time so they could never... I have an excuse for not calling us. But, of course, in the outback of Australia, finding a payphone was somewhat difficult. So the 8 a.m., 4 p.m. call sequence was, was slightly challenging for most drivers. But we would go into a mild state of panic if we didn't hear from a driver within a matter of hours. Um, but that was, that we've come a long way since then. We now have uh, asset tracking. We have devices on phones. Uh, we have all sorts of concerns about security. We've had some data breaches in the past. There's been some transformational events such as the ELD mandate that's brought a lot more transparency to the market. So to kick us off, tell us how we got here. Well, it has been an interesting path for sure. And I think that a big part of, you know, what's been driving this obviously is technology. And to your point, you know, 
if you even see a payphone nowadays, it's right. more of a relic than it is anything of, a, of use. Right. Uh, but if you think about you know, where we've even come in the last 10 years and with the advent of cell phone triangulation tracking technology and some of the things that occurred early on that seemed like miraculous ways to understand where a truck was as compared to the average check caller calling a dispatcher and understanding where right. a driver might be, all the way to today where we've got products like Forkites or, or you know, Project 44 that are providing ELD-related tracking. Um, a couple of big things have happened over the last three years that have really changed that landscape and are challenging us with respect to how we get that location, especially transactionally. And uh, the biggest one being the uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal from, with Facebook a couple of years ago and all of the data privacy issues that came along with that. Mm. So when you think about uh, what that meant for people, there was a company out there by the name of Location Smart that was providing cellular triangulation tracking technology to companies like Macropoint, Forkites, who were doing cell phone opt-in based tracking. Right. And Location Smart decided they couldn't do that anymore because the big cell phone providers didn't want to provide that location information to the paying user. And so a big chunk of the way that people were getting that more ubiquitous tracking and idea of where my truck is in a technological way died. Hmm. And I think it kind of slid behind the scenes because ELDs were coming on and app-based tracking was really was picking up steam. But the truth of the matter is that you get past the big shipper carrier relationship where there was already maybe a satellite EDI integration and that transactional shipment is a much harder thing to track than it was a year and a half ago. Right, right. It's like, um, you know, when I use my, I, I have this sort of reluctance to knowing that people are tracking my location. It's sort of a natural instinct. But when I'm using my location app or my, my navigation app, it better know where I am in real time and fast. So I, I, like, I like to have it both ways. I like to have my privacy in terms of where I am, but I also want to know that the technology works when I need it. But we really can't have it both ways, can we? It's, no. not, it's not either or. No, and I, I think the big challenge is that it's all come on so quickly, and the idea of you know, how do we get to a place where everybody can trust each other right. and know that the data is being used for the right things, which right. is you know, but what Shelley was talking about earlier, the idea of being able to track your pizza better than you can track a load. Right. And the, the idea that maybe we can do it better and right. that it could be a lot more transparent, right. yes. Will it ever be like, you know, the guy's around the corner and he's going to deliver my load in 10 minutes? Uh, transactionally, I'm just, n I'm not sure where, how we get there. Right. Uh, it, you know, we've got like, I think, 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. And I think Shelley's chart showed was about 5 billion cell phone users, which is an incredible adoption rate. Um, and I think says there's a, a generation of truckers out there that still have flip phones that still struggle with technology and, and being part of this uh, digitization age. But from your perspective in, in the non-asset brokerage side, dealing with so many carriers, what's working? You know, what's working and what's not so far? Yeah, so and I, I always want to try to differentiate between you know, the heavily integrated and the transactional, right. right? Because I think the biggest gap between the expectation that the shipper has in the marketplace today, which is where is my stuff and I want to know where it's at right now, is much different for the transactional space than it is for the committed space. Right. And in that transactional space, I would say that I think the ELD tracking is getting a lot more, the integration via products like Forkites or Project 44 is getting a lot more traction than the app-based. And I, a lot of that is because of the white noise in the market. Right. You know, everybody's got an app. Everybody wants you to use that app for that load. 
And you know, frankly, it's fatigue for the drivers. Right. And in a lot of cases, some of these trucking companies, they don't provide drivers with phones. So it's the driver's prerogative as to whether or not they want to use that app. Right. And the amount of work we're putting in as a non-asset-based you know, intermediary mm -hmm. to just get a carrier to opt in to these things is highly challenging. Right. So the, I would say friction level is much lower at the ELD level. You just got to get over the data privacy side of it right. to make that work. Right. And there's so many uh, drivers that struggle to look past the compliance aspect of ELDs, yet embedded in that technology is so much insight that actually help them run their business better. Even for larger fleets, looking at, at certain lanes, and you can figure out whether your rates are set the right level based on the, uh, you know, your holdover time or your dwell time. You know, is it, is it a sort of one of those tweener loads that's in between one, one and two day delivery? Because with ELDs now, that's become a serious issue because a lot of that two-day freight you could do in, uh, with, the, with paper logs, you could actually do it right. somewhat safely, but uh, certainly in, in that next morning phase. Um, I'm really interested in your thoughts on, on this whole issue of transparency um, because it, it just seems that you know, uh, tracking devices and technology are kind of just basic table stakes that kind of just gets us to the starting line. Um, but there's so much more that needs to be done because I see a lot of resistance. You know, for example, the tracking devices on apps, for example, are great while you're under load, but when you're not, if you're not allowing the technology to report your loca location in between loads, that, that to me is, is inefficient. So how do you actually solve that issue for drivers in terms of, like, so an, in, an mobile cab solution device has always got the GPS coming off every minute, whereas the app-based technology, it's, it can only be working uh, as an option while you're under power, for example, or under load. Yeah, and I, so I think you have to really think about it in terms of the value proposition for each of the parties involved in right. the shipment, right. right? So the shipper has one value proposition, which is, you know, when is my shipment going to arrive? When is my truck going to come pick up the load? But the other side of it is, you know, from an intermediary perspective, is my driver going to pick up on time? Is the driver en route to make sure that the load's going to get delivered? But then for the carrier, and this has been the interesting part of ELDs, is with all the resistance and all the frustration with it coming into it, they're really seeing, you know, and, and anecdotally, I'm hearing they're seeing a lot more value out of knowing where their truck is all the time and seeing what their drivers are doing. And so I think there's been a lot of value for the carrier in that way. Right. The, the thing is that it's not necessarily made its way out to the shipper or the broker or whoever for PL. I mean, there's a lot of parties involved theoretically. And so our goal really is to figure out how do we, how do we close that gap? Right. And I think the biggest gap here is that the carrier hasn't gotten a ton of value for that information. And so the, the shipper, there's a lot of value there, right? Hmm. And they want to know where their load is, and they can be, you know, theoretically be more planful about when they load the truck or how they plan the, the load stage on the dock. What does the carrier get? Hmm. And so, and, and how do they monetize that in a way? You know, whatever it is, soft cost benefit on automatic detention pay or on, you know, getting more efficiency out of the driver. There are a lot of things that we still have to figure out is how do we use this to provide value to the carrier hmm. that adds to more profitability or better profitability or profitability at all. Right. So let me pose this thought to you. This is something we haven't discussed but talked briefly about. Um, in, in a prior role, I did some usage-based insurance work with subprime lenders and uh, because by default, uh, with a, credit, a low credit score, they have to have, um, if they wanted to get a loan, it had to be through the buy here, pay here process where the loan was attached to a dealership but, but what was conditional was the telematics tracking device, which was also starter interruption. So if the loan went into default, the car wouldn't start. So it's fairly invasive technology. 
But the basic premise was that using the telematics data, we could carve out of that population the low-risk drivers. So on one hand, the technology was invasive, uh, it was intrusive, it was very disruptive, it was threatening. But on the other hand, we could actually use the data in terms of uh, speed, braking, uh, the routes they were taking time of day. We could actually figure out from the data who were the lower risk drivers in the population and then offer them lower levels of insurance. But what we did was something interesting, because this is a theory I've had, is that we should be paying people for the data that they're providing. And we, we found a way to actually find, give them an economic advantage in providing their data. So is that, a, is that a solution? Should we be paying people for the data that they provide? Either paying people for the data or the value that the data provides. Right, right. And, and I think that's, um, it's, an, it's an interesting concept. You right. just mentioned it, and I never right. heard of it before. But right. you know, theoretically, it, it, the initial reaction for me is obviously the big brother. Right. Is, it's a little bit scary. Right. Uh, I think the idea of ELDs before they were implemented was really scary for carriers. And I think the idea right after it was implemented was really inefficient. And I think today, what you're starting to see is them starting to get some real value out of it. Right. Now, the gap is still there's some software gaps on just what the average small, medium-sized carrier uses to run their business every day mm -hmm. and how that connects back into the data that they're using. But in the grand scheme of things, I think there's this place where it may not be the data being paid for, but it may be things that they've not traditionally been paid for right or had to fight really hard. And again, Shelly brought it up earlier, the detention, detention is a huge problem. And the he said, she said aspect mm -hmm. of detention, right. if you can eliminate a lot of that, right. it makes the business transaction easier to conduct. Right. Right. It makes it a lot more empirical with respect to this is the amount of money you're gonna get, this is how it's gonna be settled. There's no you know, less waiting, no two weeks to get the approvals. Right. Like it, so I think it may come that way, more so than it's, okay, if you integrate and you track X percent of your assets, we're gonna pay you an extra right. you know, 10 cents right. a mile or whatever. I mean, a great is. example is the wait time indice we've got in Sonar, where with geofence locations, you can tell how long carriers spend at certain locations by commodity type, or whether it's a cold store or a, a warehouse in the retail space. Essentially what it's done, it's allowed us to develop you know, the equivalent of a fuel surcharge, which is like a weight surcharge or a detention surcharge, because ultimately it's reflected in the rate. It's a yep. cost of doing business. But up until the ELD mandate, we had no way to actually quantify the exact amount of time that drivers spend on a dock, because for a driver, I mean, every hour on a dock is about an opportunity cost of $20 roughly, sure. right, give or take. But if, if, if carriers are allowing shippers to have two hours free time to unload a 30 pallet load that takes 20 minutes, the drivers get increasingly frustrated with this. So what it's done, it's created this interesting debate and it dovetails into our shipper of choice program where uh, this whole issue of keeping drivers on, top, on docks and not being paid is actually now a way to quantify what the cost of driver turnover and retention uh, are related to the inability to drive miles. Because yep. now the constraint's not miles, it's time. Because now we've got a time constraint on drivers. It's either you know, 11 or 12 hours, depending on the radius. Well, we always had it. It right. just is a little bit more black and white. Yes, yeah, black. It's now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> than it used to be, for yeah. sure. And with capacity so loose, you've also got um, you know, shippers not so willing these days to, to work with carriers. There's too many carriers. Yeah, the, the, ship, the shipper choice thing, I think it's still a thing. I think it's less of a thing as a result of there being a little bit more readily available capacity in the marketplace. But we're also starting to see a lot more of a Yelp style management. And I, right. we look at it like we have, we have committed business that we definitely, our carrier base knows that there are shippers that are good and there are shippers that aren't. And we definitely get a better rate for the loads right. from our partners right. that they know they're gonna get in and out in 30 minutes. Right. Or they know they're, they're gonna drop a trailer at the Consignee and they don't have to worry about it. Right. So like I, we're going that way. Right. 
And it's going to be a little bit more of, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, shaming, right? right? right. A facility gets shamed into right. getting better right. because right. they can't get a better buy or right. their cost of goods served right. to the customer goes up right. because they're getting automatically getting inflated prices right. that are including some of the negative affect of their inability to load trucks quickly. And on the shipper side, sometimes it's just lack of knowledge. Like a, I worked for a telematics company who we did trailer tracking. We analysed the turn times and productivity of these trailers in trailer pools. And we found that the, the workload wasn't sort of equitably distributed around trailers because some trailers get buried and even newer trailers get buried in the back. And just, just geography, they, they simply couldn't get loaded. So you found some trailers did a disproportionate amount of work. Some trailers that were brand new and shiny did a lot of work. Others that had more prone to CSA violations <laughs> did very little work. But, but essentially, we had these assets were like $70,000 trailers with lift gates and reefers up front, and, and they were doing one load a week. And wow. it was fascinating. When we studied the data and we looked at the position history, we could tell the, the owner of the trailers how inefficient some trailers were and how overly used others were. Because the problem from a, a data perspective was they were doing time-based preventative maintenance, okay. as in every three months we'll bring the trailers in and, and do a, an A, B or C check. The reality was some trailers should have been uh, A, B or C checked in the first month because they were being used disproportionately to the rest. Right. The telematics actually provides a lot more data. I think that's where carriers can benefit from the data is both on the utilisation side and on the maintenance side because there's so much more data they can get out of how their business is operating. Yep. And I think the, the big thing for us is just how do we close down the gap between shipper expectations and the, the reality of tracking and tracing right. in this world right. today from an automated perspective. Right. So I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about why carriers should be involved in this because we hear these words transparency and visibility thrown around a lot and sometimes interchangeably, but there seems to be a reluctance. This seems to be a, you know, a carrier or a shipper-driven initiative. Right, so car- like, let's talk about the benefits to carriers. Like, why, why should they be involved? I, mean, I think there's benefits, but what's the reluctance, do you think, in terms of getting involved in the providing transparency and visibility? Uh, well, I certainly have gotten a different perspective on the world over the last six or seven years as I've right. been working for an asset-based trucking company. And I think that there's this feeling, and not just at, at our company, and maybe not even at our company because we're more of a dedicated provider, but in the, in the OTR environment, carriers feel like they're always giving. And this is now something that the shipper community covets, that other people covet as, as an intermediary that's seen as an efficiency tool. Well, if that's the case, then shouldn't there be some trade-off for that? Right. Whether it be financial, whether it be whatever. We, we sit down with our carriers quite often, and we, we had a focus group last week. We talked about this a lot. And what they really said was, if you're going to use the tool to be more efficient, then be more efficient. And a lot of what we hear is, yeah, you integrate the tool so that you don't have to call us, and then you call us. <laughs> right. So it's like we have to actually talk the talk. Right. So if we're going we're gonna to go and do the integration, we're going to go and get more efficient, then let's act more efficient. Right. How do you bridge this gap? Because I, I often use the analogy of when you bump a dock, there's kind of this chasm of data and, and vis- lack of transparency. And there seems to be, you know, we do a great job as a, in the asset-based space, do a great job of um, uh, utilising and, and sort of optimising every part of the business. Then we give it to a driver who's somewhat tired, frustrated to execute on, and they're allowed to make these subjective decisions. And then we bump a dock and we have no transparency into the WMS, the warehouse management system, and the appointment times. We have this big window of time, and then this debate occurs about arrival times. The, the lack of integration to me seems to be... I mean, the lack of integration seems to be the biggest opportunity 
opportunity between asset-based carriers and, and shippers is actually building some more efficiencies across that dock in terms of, uh, you know, when the trailer should be there. What, uh, you know, we talked to a carrier, a, a, a vendor last week, who wants to provide uh, sort of a, a middle-mile uh, business model, but the, the more expensive uh, sleeper cab assets are actually running back and forward point to point, but there's a day cab operation that's just doing the dock time deliveries, but there's a tight integration with the warehouse management system mm. to eliminate the waiting time, which is right now averaging around two and a half hours per load. So it's way too high. Wow. It's, it's only, out of our 135 freight markets, there's only 18 markets that have an average wait time under two hours. Hmm. So most of the freight markets in the country's country are over two hours right now. So there seems to be an incredible opportunity. Have you had any experience in integrating with shippers that, that might be willing to be sort of good examples of how to address this? Well, we certainly see it in our own business today. Right. So we, we are a rather large warehousing provider as well. And we do some work coming and going from our own warehousing facilities. And we either are integrated with the systems or we've got a a much lower barrier of transparency between you know, the right. two companies because we all work together. And we definitely see more efficiency when it comes to like, trusting each other and really understanding each other. I think the other side of it, to your point, is the interoperability of systems today and the ability to integrate is so much easier. Almost everything can be done with you know, a couple of clicks and a couple of developers as right. opposed to this brittle old EDI infrastructure that used to exist. Right. So it does allow for three or four or five niche providers to be connected together okay. in a way that creates an ecosystem that gives that visibility, whereas in the past it kind of had to be a one-to-one -one type of a scenario. And if you didn't have all the bells and whistles in each of those two things that were connected together, well, then you were dark. Right. And so I think that's where we're seeing a lot of this momentum is right. Really, you know, connecting a Forkites with our TMS, with a WMS, or maybe even a middleware between the WMS, something like an open dock that right. demoed yesterday. Right. Just, you know, stick that in the middle of it and using all those things together to give you that view of what the world actually looked like right. on that shipment so we right. can all get better at getting the drivers on the road and doing the job that they're being paid right. to do. Breaking down all those silos that we have uh, traditionally had to deal with. Dave, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, please thank Dave Broering from NFI. Thank you. Well done. Thanks.